When it comes to the topic of thyroid healthy eating, there's a lot of conflicting information out there. One expert says, you have to be gluten-free. And then the next expert says, nope, it needs to be paleo. And then someone else says, no, you need to do the autoimmune protocol. There's conflicting information around the topic of goitrogens or thyroid inhibiting ingredients like cruciferous vegetables. Are they okay to eat or aren't they? Today, we're gonna to begin at the beginning and discuss the whys and hows of thyroid healthy eating so that you can get clear on what next steps might be right for you and understand what the experts are talking about and why there's so much confusion around this topic. Hello, thyroid drivers. Welcome back to another episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping you live well and eat well so you can feel well. I'm Ginny Mahar, your host and the face behind the apron at hypothyroidchef.com. Now, before we dive in, this is a big topic. I know you all are busy, so in case you don't have time to stick around for the whole show, I wanna let you know that I've put together a free resource. It's a thyroid healthy grocery guide. Now, this is a great starting point for anyone who's curious about making dietary changes to support their thyroid and overall health. There's so much information out there about all the foods we can't or shouldn't or aren't supposed to eat. This list is a great way to see all the foods we can eat. Now, I know everyone has unique dietary needs and sensitivities, so this is just meant as a starting point, something to get your wheels turning about what your meals might look like if you were eating for your thyroid health. Um, the list is gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, refined sugar-free, and you can you know, tweak it to suit your unique needs. So to grab that free thyroid healthy grocery guide, go to hypothyroidchef.com grocery, or I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's dive in. First, I've gotta include this little disclaimer that I am not a doctor or a dietitian. I'm a thyroid advocate, I'm a thyroid health and cooking coach, and I am here to share information with you so you can get empowered and informed on your healing journey and so that you can be aware of what choices are available to you so that you can make the best possible choices for your health. This is for informational and educational purposes only. If you wanna make major dietary changes, it's always recommended that you talk to a professional healthcare practitioner before doing so. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about the whys. Why is diet impactful for us as hypothyroid or Hashimoto's patients? Does it make a difference? My doctor told me it wouldn't make a difference, and I will tell you I disagree. There are several experts in the functional and holistic medical realm who also disagree, and there's a growing body of research behind this, and also just the experience of so many thyroid and autoimmune thyroid patients who have found that they've been able to reduce the symptoms that medication leaves behind by making dietary changes. Now, why is that? Well, We'll start with leaky gut. Okay, this is something that you hear a lot about in the autoimmune world and also in the, um, in the online world of thyroid health. And one of the unfortunate truths about having an underactive thyroid, even when we're on medication, is that 
we're dealing with sort of a compromised metabolism. We have slower gut motility, meaning, meaning that the food moves through our intestinal tract a little more slowly. We can also be more prone to leaky gut. So leaky gut is just like it sounds, the, the more scientific term for it is intestinal permeability. And this is where certain foods and stressors can make the, the walls of our intestines kind of perforated. And what that means is that that waste that's supposed to be in your intestines and be excreted from your body can actually escape the intestinal wall and go into your body. Now, this causes a lot of confusion in the body and it can lead to things like an increase in antibodies. One of the key things that we need to understand here as thyroid patients is gluten. And there's a reason why you hear also, in addition to so much about leaky gut, why you hear so much about gluten is because there's this thing called biomimicry or molecular mimicry where the molecule of gluten is so similar in structure to the molecules of the thyroid gland that the body gets very confused. So you've got this perforated gut lining, you eat gluten, the food particles escape, they go into your body, your body launches this autoimmune response and wants to attack those gluten molecules. And our bodies are so intelligent. It you know can identify that molecule and be like, we're gonna get this guy. Well, guess what? Because the thyroid tissue is so similar to the gluten molecule, your body can get confused and actually start attacking your thyroid. And that can, you know, so you've got an increase in thyroid antibodies and it all sort of ties in. So I'm, I hope I'm connecting the dots there for some of you about why we hear so much about gluten and leaky gut. Gut health is so important. Gut health is foundational for everyone. It's especially foundational for any of us who are living with an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's or Graves' disease. And it's important for those of us who are living with that slowered metabolism of you know, hypothyroidism for any reason. Now, most of us in the US, as I've said before, over 90% of us in the US who have hypothyroidism actually have Hashimoto's. We've got those elevated thyroid antibodies. Some of us have hypothyroidism for other reasons. Maybe we had thyroid cancer or nodules or goiter. We had to have thyroidectomy and now we're on thyroid medication. So we're living with a compromised thyroid situation as well. So all those scenarios can lead to this slowered metabolism and can make things like our digestion and our gut health a little bit more complicated. One thing we're more prone to is gut dysbiosis. This is an overgrowth of the bad bacteria in your gut. And all those stressors like the gut flora imbalances or eating foods that you're sensitive to, eating a poor diet of lots of processed food and junk food, drinking too much alcohol, being under too much stress, all of those things can contribute to leaky gut. It's not just the gluten. Gluten is definitely kind of suspect number one, and that's why it sort of tops the list of problematic foods for thyroid patients. But all those other foods, eating too much sugar even, 
can have a really negative impact on the gut and that is going to impact how we feel. And what we really wanna do, our goals here in making dietary changes are to support gut health, to heal leaky gut. Some experts are now even saying that leaky gut is implicated in all autoimmune conditions. But ultimately, the point I wanna get across is that this is kind of the goal. We wanna support our gut health. That's going to help us minimize our symptoms, keep those thyroid antibodies low, and feel better, feel more energetic. And when our gut is healthy, our brain is healthier, our immune system is healthier, our moods are better, our digestion is better, our sleep is better. Everything kind of falls into place. So that's why the gut and our gut health is such a focus of these dietary changes for thyroid health. So there's a lot of different ways to get there. And that's why I think we hear so much conflicting information about, well, let's eliminate gluten. If this is the number one dietary trigger, let's focus on that and really beat that drum about thyroid patients needing to get completely off of gluten. If we have a problem with gluten and we expose ourselves to gluten, our body can react to that for weeks or even months. That's why so many experts really strongly encourage that we completely eliminate gluten, that that is a hard line for thyroid patients. Now, I know some of you are familiar with Dr. Isabella Wentz, the thyroid pharmacist, and she does a lot of surveys on her community. And she's found that I think about 70% of the people she's worked with have found improvement from eliminating gluten. So that's sort of the number one dietary trigger. After that, there's dairy. Dairy can be really hard on our gut. It can also be inflammatory. And this is the other pillar of thyroid healthy eating. In addition to wanting to support our gut health, we wanna eat an anti-inflammatory diet. We want to lower the conditions for inflammation in our body. So avoiding foods like sugar, excess alcohol, dairy, um, some people get inflamed from nightshade vegetables like peppers, eggplant. Some people also struggle with grains. So it really does depend on the individual. And that's another source of confusion, but it's also just sort of part of the deal, right? Every body is different and we all have our unique dietary needs and sensitivities and triggers. And not only that, those needs are not static. They change over time, especially if we're dealing with things like hormonal changes, if we're aging, if we're under a ton of stress, if we're in a new season of life than we were a couple years ago, all those things can shift our dietary needs. And also making some of those um, interventions with our diet to do gut healing and to see those improvements can also expand the amount of foods that we're able to tolerate. So yeah, we wanna shoot for that dietary diversity. The goal is not to eliminate as many foods as we possibly can and eat this super limited diet. Those limited diets are what enable us to heal so that we can then reintroduce foods. And I'm gonna do a sort of a part two show for this about where to begin with dietary changes, where we'll cover, we'll go a little bit more in depth with those different dietary options like paleo, like the autoimmune protocol, like just going gluten and dairy free. How do those compare and how can we start to decipher which path is right for us right now? But yes, the ultimate goal 
and I think a lot of the experts agree on this, is that what we're shooting for is a bio-individual diet, unique to us, personalized for our unique dietary needs and sensitivities. And that takes some elimination, some experimentation with different dietary eliminations and reintroductions. It takes time. It takes tuning into your body and listening to the feedback your body's giving you about what you're eating or what you're not eating. And really this is best done with the help of a holistic or integrative nutritionist or other health practitioner who can help you navigate this so that you're sure your nutritional needs are getting met. Now, the reason I really focus on Hypothyroid Chef on recipes that are gluten-free, dairy-free, paleo, or autoimmune protocol friendly is because these seem to be the most popular dietary templates that people use when they're starting out on the path of healing their gut, lowering antibodies, trying to reduce thyroid symptoms, etc. The nice thing about those dietary templates is that they give us sort of a starting point. It makes it easier to search for recipes. They also give us a common language we can use. Oh, is this recipe paleo? Okay, then I know that it's gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, grain-free, etc. Oh, is this autoimmune paleo? Then I know, or autoimmune protocol, those terms are sort of interchangeable, but then I know what foods are included in that. Or, you know what, I'm just gluten-free. That's my hard line, that's what works for me with where I'm at right now in my life, and I just need those basic gluten-free recipes. So that's how we know what to look for, which recipes are right for us and will work for our current dietary needs. But you can always take those and tweak those to suit your needs. Now, elimination diets, like the autoimmune protocol, especially that elimination phase of the AIP diet is not meant to be forever. These diets, in addition to creating that common language, in addition to helping us search for recipes more easily, another opportunity they give us is to temporarily remove foods from our diet for a set period of time. Most experts say anywhere from four to six weeks at least. Remove those foods from our diet and track, you know, by journaling and, and things like that, track how our body responds to taking things out of our diet, like gluten, dairy, sugar, soy, etc. Then we go through a systematic reintroduction process where you are one at a time reintroducing those foods and again, tracking how your body responds, listening closely. The goal of that is getting back to as many foods as we can possibly eat. That just gives us food freedom, right? It's more fun, it's easier to socialize, it's easier to go out to a restaurant that way. That's what we want and that's, that's why we spend time sometimes on those elimination diets to do the more intensive healing so we can get to where we can get back to that dietary diversity. I want to address goitrogens because I know this is something that people feel a lot of confusion about. Goitrogenic foods are said to have thyroid inhibiting properties, so they interfere with the function of the thyroid. They lower it, essentially. They suppress it. So goitrogens include so many different healthy foods like kale, cabbage, cauliflower, all those cruciferous vegetables, sweet potatoes, 
even uh, very anti-inflammatory fruits like cherries, those um, stone fruits, are most of them are goitrogenic. A lot of nuts are goitrogenic, like pine nuts. There's so many goitrogenic foods on this list. And years ago, the experts were saying, oh, there was a study, it was done on, on rats about you know the thyroid suppressing properties of these foods, so we're just gonna recommend that all thyroid patients avoid them. And most experts now have done a complete 180 on that and said, no way, these foods are, so many of them are so nutrient dense and so good for us that we should not be avoiding them. One rule of thumb here is to just cook them. Cooking goitrogenic vegetables lowers the thyroid inhibiting properties of them. It can eliminate or greatly reduce the goitrogens in the foods. The other rule of thumb is just to eat reasonable amounts of goitrogenic foods and always listen to the feedback your body gives you. You know, I know if I overdo it on raw cruciferous vegetables, like eating too much salad made with kale or things like that, I do feel a little bit more brain foggy. So I just make a point to not overdo it on those foods. Eating a little bit here and there seems to work fine for me. And I know I'm getting so many amazing nutrients from those foods that I eat them happily and I do make a point to incorporate them in reasonable amounts in my diet, cooked whenever possible. You know, I spent the last five years reading about this, researching about this, and also interviewing some of the leading experts in the field of thyroid health, thyroid healthy medicine, thyroid healthy living, I mean, we're talking people like Isabella Wentz, Dr. Alan Christensen, Dr. Jolene Brighton, Dr. Aviva Ram, and they do all have their own, you know, thumbprint that they give to this approach to how we live well and eat well with thyroid issues. However, after interviewing all those amazing people, I do see that common thread that runs through. And that common thread when it comes to thyroid healthy eating is we wanna go for nutrient-dense, anti-inflammatory foods. So we're talking about a diet that's composed primarily of clean animal proteins, lots of organic produce, and healthy fats. Things like grains, sugar, soy, you know, there's some mixed opinions about that. And I think ultimately it really comes down to the individual, what works for you, what's right for you, what feedback is your body giving you, what have you and your nutritionist or other healthcare practitioner come to, you know, conclusions about in terms of which of those foods are right or not right for you. But to boil it down, that's what we're going for. Whole foods, avoiding processed foods, not overdoing it on things like alcohol, and really taking that impeccable care of ourselves with the food we eat and feeding ourselves for optimal health is just one of the most powerful things you can do in your life, regardless of whether you have a thyroid issue. There's lifelong amazing benefits here for you and for your family and the people who love and care about you and ultimately for your quality of life. So I'll quickly tell you a little bit about my experience with thyroid healthy eating. Now I've spent my share of time on gut healing protocols. Um, I've done strict paleo. 
I've done Whole30, I've done several rounds of the autoimmune protocol or AIP diet. All of those helped me tremendously and I've embarked on those at different points in my thyroid journey where I really felt like I was having and struggling with enough symptoms that I was motivated to make some pretty big dietary changes at least for a while. Usually I go for about six weeks. Um, I recently did one in the last couple years where I went six months on fairly strict personalized version of the autoimmune protocol but where I was really focusing on doing some, some gut healing. And on the other side of that, I felt better and I was able to reincorporate foods. So I'm living proof that what the experts say about how this works and why it works and what the goal is, it's true. It does work, it can help your gut, it can reduce symptoms. And when I have those symptoms pop up, like when I notice my, my brain fog's kind of coming back again, or I'm feeling a little bit fatigued throughout the day, one of my first go-tos is, let's look at my diet. What are the things I need to pull back on? Maybe I've been doing a little bit too much grains, for example. That's one for me that I've found really um, has an impact on my brain fog. Do I eat gluten-free grains? Absolutely, it gives me food freedom. It makes it easier to do things like go to a restaurant or gather with friends and share a meal. And yeah, I love food and it can be a slippery slope where I find myself, oops, I'm, I'm overindulging in this and I'm feeling the effects. It doesn't have to be all or nothing for me with things like grains. But I do occasionally have to, you know, pump the brakes and say, okay, I need to reduce this. Let's go back to maybe even cutting them out for like a week and then just sort of reestablish my baseline with that. So that's been my experience. Another thing that's really helped me is identifying what is my hard line. Gluten. For me, it's gluten. And I'm not celiac. I don't test positive for celiac, but I, as long as I can remember, long before my hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's diagnosis, I noticed that if that wheat didn't agree with me. It messed with my digestion and that it made me really backed up. Um, it made my skin really red and um, like flaky, get super dried, get these really dry, itchy patches on my face. I experienced symptoms from gluten. And if I have a hard line, that's it. I try as much as possible to eliminate gluten in my diet. And yes, I do consider myself lucky in that if I get glutened at a restaurant or at a gathering or because, oops, I didn't realize there was gluten in this thing I, I just ate, it's not the end of the world for me. I will feel it for a few days, maybe a week. But again, I can cut it out, reestablish that baseline and get pretty quickly back to where I started. So that's what works for me. But there's plenty of people out there who really need to completely eliminate it 100% of the time. They need to be extremely careful at restaurants and that really just depends on you and your body. After I've done my stretches on those more restrictive gut healing protocols, I've been able to reincorporate other foods, like not just gluten-free grains, but things like beans, things like nightshade vegetables, like tomatoes or eggplant, um, bell peppers. You know, I'm able to eat those things and so I do most of the time. 
unless I reach another point of imbalance. And I have reached those points of imbalance for various reasons. A lot of times it's been stress. Sometimes it can be even like a change in seasons. I've also experienced changes I've needed to make as I go through my 40s and experience hormonal changes and notice my body needing different things, needing a little more care in one area or another. But I, I also wanna make it clear that I've done this with the help of my naturopath. When I started working with her in 2015, that first appointment, the, one of the very first parts of our conversation about how I was going to reduce these debilitating symptoms I was dealing with, like severe brain fog, all day chronic fatigue, I was sick all the time, I was having all these horrible thyroid-related symptoms, and she gave me a handout about anti-inflammatory eating. And so that really got me started on making more intentional dietary changes. I've also worked at times with a holistic nutritionist or a functional diagnostic nutritionist in order to have a little more guidance and someone else to help me um, do some testing and engage in a professional conversation about you know, I'm thinking this might be an issue or, or how do you feel about this? It's nice to have those experts to be able to talk to and receive guidance from on this. So that's my experience, but let's talk about your experience. Where, where should you begin? And again, I'll do a part two of this show that dives a little more deeply into the specific dietary templates most people use to start experimenting with these dietary eliminations and then reintroductions. But ultimately, what you decide to do really depends on where you're at. You know, are you super busy right now? Are you you know, raising a bunch of young kids who are really picky and you're just, you can't even have the bandwidth to think about um, going gluten-free barely, much less dairy-free, much less paleo. You know, for some people that just feels way too stressful and overwhelming. And you know what? That matters. I think if that feels too stressful and overwhelming, it's time to meet yourself where you are. And these changes that I've made and the point that I've gotten to where I feel like, yeah, I'm there. I've got a bio-individual diet. I'm always tweaking and morphing it and evolving it as my body ages and evolves. And I, I feel really good about that. And I sort of have learned over years, right? Started this in 2015. It's taken me those years to learn to listen to the signals that my body is giving me and also to know when it's time to make change, when it's time to seek professional help, when it's time to get some more testing done, etc. But this didn't happen overnight. You know, when I started this, even the prospect of eliminating gluten was like very emotionally draining for me. I had moments where I went out to a favorite restaurant and couldn't order what I wanted and just got kind of teary out of frustration. It, it's an emotional journey and food has deep emotional roots in us. Nostalgia, it's an important part of enjoying our lives and connecting with the people we love and care about. And when we're faced with a chronic illness like hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's or Graves' disease, it can be really an emotional journey 
as much as it is just a journey of knowing what to do, we also have to be ready to do it. And overstressing, like getting really worked up and stressed out and perfectionist and afraid about what we eat is not gonna do anyone any favors. I always say you gotta wear this like a loose fitting garment, right? Just let it take the time it takes. Take a deep breath and know that you're thinking about this, you are committed to your health, and you're going to make the changes you need to make in the time that they take. Have some faith and know that it's okay if you're not ready to make massive dietary changes. Again, it really depends where you're at. If you're in a major health crisis because of your Hashimoto's, that may warrant some more drastic changes. But again, you always wanna go to your healthcare practitioner to talk about this, make a plan, do the diagnostic testing, don't be guessing about what's going on in your body when you're in that place because one pitfall that I think thyroid thrivers fall into is sometimes we take it a little bit too much into our own hands and we start just sort of throwing a handful of darts at the wall. I'm going to do everything. If someone says this supplement and I, I'm going to go AIP overnight and all, you know, you can completely overwhelm yourself and ultimately set yourself up for failure, not succeed at the changes you need to make, to be making and also maybe not even be looking under the right rocks. So that's where that testing piece really comes in. Um, and this could be gut testing, it could be food sensitivity testing, it could be micronutrient testing to look for different uh, deficiencies in your diet. You know, it could be all kinds of underlying root cause testing that your functional, holistic, integrative healthcare practitioner deems necessary and appropriate and worthwhile for you. Now, if you're not in a place of being in a major healthcare crisis and you're able to take baby steps, I do want to share with you that baby steps tend to be more sustainable. Now, this is the science of sustainable, effective habit change, right? It's based on positive psychology and it's based on doing what we can in a way that doesn't completely overwhelm our nervous system and send us into a fight or flight response, do more harm than good with the stress that it's creating, or push us into like disordered eating, like orthorexia, where we get overly focused on having to eat perfectly healthy all the time and can end up, you know, some people end up shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking the foods they eat. Um, we want to avoid those pitfalls. So I think one of the best ways to do that is to really check in with yourself, maybe even do some journaling about this. What feels right for me right now? What does my intuition say? Like, it, has something been nagging at me? You know, I noticed when I was starting the whole grains and brain fog correlation, I just was noticing. I just noticed when I ate less, I felt better. Some of those symptoms started to lift. That was one of my first personal guinea pig dietary experiments was, I'm gonna just try completely eliminating grains for a week and see if I feel better. And you know what? I did. 
I did. But when I eliminated grains indefinitely, like for months and months, then I started to feel like I wasn't getting enough carbs. I reincorporated them. Then sometimes I can go down the slippery slope and be overdoing it on things like white rice. And then I've got to pull back because those symptoms start to come up. So it's like this dance, you know, and it gets easier with time. Know that it gets easier with time. And if you just stay the course, you will reach that ultimate goal, which is your personalized bio-individual eating plan that supports you, your optimal health, your thyroid health, and reduces your thyroid symptoms for good, for life. So know that this journey and these efforts are worthwhile. You are worth it. I know that can be another piece of this emotional puzzle is, I don't wanna be a pain in the butt. I don't wanna be that person at the party. I don't wanna have dietary restrictions. I was a chef. I was a chef. How am I gonna be a chef and not cook with gluten or dairy or soy or refined sugar? So many recipes that I loved went right out the window. And you know what? It was hard and I had to grieve and it took months. It honestly took years to get to this point and I'm still continually on the path, but I did get there and I know that it's worth it. And I'm also feeding a family. I've got a finicky 10 year old and a husband who have no interest in being gluten or dairy free. But what they do have an interest in is my well being. And so they understand and have learned through osmosis, through me, through the information I've shared with them. And they're happy to eat what I put on the table. We've also found, you know, those pizza solutions where we can, we have pizza night at home. This doesn't mean you have to live ice cream free or pizza free. It means you just need to find some alternatives. You need to find your favorite cauliflower crust for pizza, or you need to find your favorite coconut milk ice cream that really scratches that ice cream itch. You need to find those recipes that everyone loves, regardless of their dietary restrictions or how they feel about eating healthy. Recipes that are just delicious, that are made with whole foods, that are nutrient dense, health supporting, and delicious. This can be delicious. I love food. I am a chef. I am a food lover. I always have been, and I have always been completely unwilling to eat dreary meals for my health. I've also been able to find those alternatives that help me feel like I'm not missing out and I can put a meal on the table for my family or for my friends that everyone will enjoy without spending all day in the kitchen. Is this helpful? I hope so. If you have questions about this or if you have experience with this, we wanna hear about it. We wanna know that we're not alone. So drop a comment below and, and share with us what, what has your story been with this? What have you found works or doesn't work? Or what are you really feeling super confused about right now? And maybe I can point you towards some of my best resources. Speaking of my best resources, once again, don't forget I just put together that amazing thyroid healthy grocery guide. This is a one page list you can print out, stick it inside your kitchen cupboard to refer to, and it's gonna help get your wheels turning about all the delicious 
nutritious, amazing foods we can eat. So you can find that at hypothyroidchef.com slash grocery, and I'll put the link below in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites. If you've enjoyed the show, please don't forget to like, subscribe, or leave a review. It really does help so much. I'm Ginny Mahar wishing you the best of health. See you next time.